It's a new uh. prison transport. Oh. Ooh. Why are they going? Star Wars is getting so scary now in their shows. Checked at the this is scary. This is. Yeah, this is too scary. Too, oh, too spooky. Too spooky. Flight times match the ship transporting Moff Gideon. What is this? Sandra Moff Gideon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all knew this, right? Gideon, he's out there somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, but this is. Is he just yeah. Leia space flighting? Mary yeah, right. through space. <laughs> what if she's still there, just pointing like Superman? Scanning. I it's love this. Oh, it's very aliens. I know. Yeah, the yeah. shot of aliens with the Bad, laser scanner. Bad Batch had an aliens episode too. Doesn't this also remind you of Jaws a little bit, where he's like going through the sunken and then the, and then and the yeah. head comes in. Yeah, Richard Dreyfuss is like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a snap. No. What? That's a, a big jump. Frame job. Just little, frame job. That's a frame job. Yeah. Just a little chunk of Beskar. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to New Rockstars. The Mandalorian Chapter 21 brought Pirate King Gorian Shart back from <laughs> Revenge on Navarro. I know I said Shart, not Shard. But you know what? This is a Shart of a human being, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, the only thing standing in his way were a few scrappy Mandalorians. And, well, you know, that's it. But we got a lot of other questions coming out of this episode. Like, was that? Was that? Zap? And then we also have uh, a big frame job going on at the end. Who really is trying to frame the Mandalorians? These are questions we will ask today as we begin with our ceremonial swear of Dank Ferric! Dank Ferric! <laughs> Gorian Shark! This is Break Room Presents Wookie Leaks, our weekly Mandalorian after show. I'm Eric Voss. My Easter egg breakdown of this episode is coming tomorrow. But right now, I'm here discussing this episode with Tommy Bechtold and Hector Navarro. Yes, what's up, boys? Oh, my God. This episode, so jam-packed with things going on. Let's talk about what happened. What the fet happened in it. this episode? Well, Grief Karga and his engineers, who he just refers to as engineers. All right, we don't want to give them too many names, then we got to pay them. Are continuing Navarro's glow-up when Gorian Shard returns with his pirate corsair. We may remember Shard from the season premiere. He kind of looks like a seaweed salad. Grief sends a distress signal and it's heard by Carson Tiva in a New Republic pilot bar. Real Top Gun vibes here. Straight down to the billiard type game they're playing. Yeah, how often do you think Carson Tiva gets 86? He's playing the piano, the space piano. Max Revo comes in. That's my job. Goodness gracious, great balls of I play the piano with my meaty thighs. Uh, because uh, look up Max Rebo legs if you haven't. Uh, it's one of oh, my favorite okay. things to do. Stop uh, making us do that every time you bring up Max Rebo, Tommy. It's uh, upsetting. Come on. Look up his legs. Look up his legs. All right, we get a cameo <laughs> from Zeb. Why? I don't know. Who tells Tiva the Republic isn't answering dispatches? Tiva decides he's going to handle business in person, which means he's headed to Coruscant. Where he meets with Tim Meadows playing Colonel Tuttle. <laughs> we can't just make a phone call. He has to go in person. Or They're not answering forward phone the calls. message. That's what right. Zeb. By the way, I love that. Like in, in, they work so hard on the costuming of aliens and make them so practical looking on this show. And Zeb is just like drawn it. They're just like he's completely computer animated. <laughs> oh, I thought Zeb looked pretty good. No. If you ask me, they got the same guy Bloom to come yeah. back to voice him. Very I mean, cool. if we see Zeb, you know, Harris and Dula can't be too far away, right? Yeah, like, yeah. this is exciting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Tommy, Tommy, you were like, why did we see Zeb? You know why we saw Zeb? They're setting up the Ahsoka show. Yes, I also thought yeah. he looked pretty sweet, but it's you know, it's all Star Wars, dude. There's animated characters. There's puppetry. 
you got you got the CG looking very fluid Zed, but then you also have the pirate puppet Gorian <laughs> Shard, yeah. who's the, the whole time yeah. is just my lips barely match, and it's the best. It's the best. Yeah, he didn't look <laughs> as good as Cad Bane. Cad Bane, I think, was the gold standard mm. of like adapting mm. an animated character to practical live action. You may say computer animation and puppets, but it's still real to me. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, Hector. I think this goes back to the point I think you made last week. That in this vast galaxy of Star Wars, everything is very small. Because, of course, yeah. Kiva runs into Zeb at the pilot bar. Anyway, back to Coruscant. Tuttle informs Tiva that they're a little swamped right now with requests. And since Navarro didn't join the Federation, they can't prioritize its protection. Elia Kane is eavesdropping. And she says, this might be a teachable moment. And Tiva, you know, he's, he looks at her and goes, that's a really imperial way of thinking. And she's like, don't worry. Yeah. Tuttle goes to defend her and she's like, Oh, people make fun of me all the time. Winks at him, bats her eyes, and he's like, wow, this woman's really something special. Don't you think it's weird that, like, he would so rush to defend a former Nazi? Like, yes. the lengths they're going to to protect these people and give yes. them third chances, fourth chances, yeah. fifth chances. It's like, allow them to be bullied a little bit. You I know? agree. Uh, I, I think it's planting seeds of uh, her having him wrapped around her finger in terms of their boss-subordinate relationship and probably eventually using that to obtain access to things that someone in the sure. re uh, rehabilitation program may not get. I also just want to point out how, um, you know, swamped supposedly the New Republic is with red tape, yet they have this open-door policy where any Coast Guard pilot can just walk into the Pentagon and, and give requests yes. in person. <laughs> like, if you can't get us on the phone, just show up at this at any time. You know, uh, you can just kind of walk right in. That's just a very tuck your point. pilot helmet in over in the cubby hole, <laughs> and then we'll take your concerns directly. Yeah. I don't want to be somebody who defends any formal Imperial because Star Wars, generally speaking, Imperials are bad. We know mm. what they're a metaphor for. But I think it's so interesting that Carson Teva as a character immediately jumps to like disliking this woman when she walks into this office and starts yes. you know, just by clocking her badge. Yeah, I'm uh -huh. the former Imperial. Whereas right. the Tim Meadows character... His perspective is just, hey, she's trying to make a living here. Like She's just yeah. trying to contribute to the thing. But if we didn't know that this woman was maybe not to be trusted. If we didn't see the things that Moff Gideon did, would we feel the same way about Carson Teva like jumping up her ass in that moment? Whoa. We might also be like, whoa, Carson, like you got to give a person a second chance here. But we just okay. happen to know that like she's doing stuff and this seems very, very suspicious. Even to the point where he, Tim Meadows, Tuttle, Colonel Tuttle even goes, well, you spent a little time in the Outer Rim, didn't you, to her? Like, it's like, yeah, working for a warlord. Like, yes, he spent some time in the Outer Rim. What are you talking about? Uh, can, you anyway. can you imagine being in Argentina in like 1955 and seeing a German person be like, well, you, you spent some time in Germany. It's like, no, yeah. they were there doing bad yeah. things. Like, <laughs> you, you got a little stint in Poland in the 40s, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Uh, uh, if you're here in Argentina and you were, yeah, exactly. Anyway, we then see Carga and the surviving citizens of Navarro have taken refuge outside a badly damaged city. Carga did a great, the classic Star Wars view the, the 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 binoculars he looks over sighs things aren't looking good for Navarro Tiva communicates with R five D four God what a great moment and locates the covert <laughs> I served with one with someone amongst your ranks R five D four just kind of goes yes I've been physically traumatized this entire season I screwed you guys over and told them where you were I don't blame Snitch. him you guys blame him his snitches get not at all he's a snitch snitches uh, get yeah, off snitches. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you get when you send this droid to be your probe to wander yeah. into the 
possibly toxic, yeah. even though toxic air wouldn't hurt a droid. He's right. just scared. He's just, He's just a scared guy. Also, they, they literally don't buckle him into uh, Bo-Katan's ship, <laughs> and she, like, jumps to light speed and he flies backwards. So he's been banged he's, around. He's loose bit. in the back seat there. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you can't leave your droids loose. Never leave a Just droid a couple, loose. like two liters of uh, uh, Publix brand cola just rolling around in the back seat of the car. You got to be careful. You got to lock that shit down. That's right. Come on. All right. So Tiva communicates, like we said, with the droid, begging the Mandalorians to help Navarro. Din takes Tiva's case, pleads it to the rest of the covert, explaining that they can set up a new homeland on the land grief offered him in the season premiere. It looks like Din Djarin's going to be denied before he gets some unlikely support from Paz Vizsla, who's like, you saved my son, I'll save your uh, city, which is a good tit for tat. It's pretty great. He made that speech. We didn't know yeah. which way it was going to go. It's kind of yeah. like that Keegan Michael Key sketch where he's playing like the judge on a on a cooking show, and he's <laughs> like, this was yes. a delicious meal, a deli- delicious for someone with no sense of taste. <laughs> and just kind of go any way. Is what I Ultimately, would say. If I didn't feel the opposite. Yes. Yeah. Right, 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 right. All right. So it's on. It's going to be Din. It's going to be Bo. Bo's going to drop uh, the Mandalorians down in Navarro. The Covert flies in and engages the pirates. There's some great land and air battle scenes. Din basically wipes out the pirates' entire like auxiliary fleet while Bo drops the rest of the Covert off in Midtown Navarro to kick ass. And we finally get to see the armor in battle and it didn't disappoint. What did you guys think when she was swinging that hammer around? I thought it was great. I like that the ar- I like that the hammer went from like a conch shell speaking tool mm-hmm. in the meeting to a straight up weapon of destruction. Yeah. And not only did she use the hammer, she got the she got the tongs. Yeah, she, did she, she the, tong- the tongs down there. That was impressive. Pulling the back of somebody's neck, like, oh, thank you, you yeah. got my pinched nerve. Oh, also yeah. that hurts a lot. No, that whole <laughs> yeah. thing, that whole thing was so rad. And uh, so exciting to see, yeah, that talking stick go from <laughs> from like a camp item, like a campfire talking stick item to that kind of a weapon. Yeah. And um, I really love the armor. I, I want to yeah. talk about what happened at the end of this episode, but I'll save it until oh. Tommy gets us there. But oh, I, I, en- I enjoyed the action uh, for this entire sequence so, yeah. so, so, so much. Just like cool action figure stuff. It was great. Also, yes. what, what I think was a... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. A modulated Wilhelm scream from the gunner as she threw him off the thing. It was like... That was definitely something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounded like that. Uh, I enjoyed it. Anyway, uh, finally, Bo and Din take out all of Gorian Shard's engines, and he crashes in a blaze of glory, making some kelp chips. You know what I'm saying, dog? You put those in the oven at 450. They're delicious. A little sea salt on Gorian Shard. He's going to make a great meal. Did you guys think that when a ship crashed into the volcano, it was going to like rupture the volcano? Kind yeah. of like a Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power it kind sort of, of thing. Like, like, oh, yeah. oh, it's that- an active volcano. There's lava flows. Like You do not crash that big of a ship into the side of a volcano. No. I thought it was going to just destroy the entire town with lava. That would have been <laughs> ironic if they were like, we're saved, and now we're all burnt alive. Hey, uh, hey. Hey, listen. Uh, Navarro, Navarro is not a city. It's a people. All right. If Thor yeah. Ragnarok taught us anything, it's that the people of Navarro, all twenty-four <laughs> of them, could have easily ro- relocated to somewhere else. They would have been fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Hey, I, I do like. There's twenty-four of them. There was just like a <laughs> handful of them because they don't want to get all these extras in there. Right. Yeah. But it's like everybody else right. is hiding kids. in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no yeah, kids. Yeah. Thousands of us died. All of our kids are dead. Yeah, but you know yeah. what, guys? I'm gonna get us through this. <laughs> the pirates killed all the children in that school because they wanted their bar back. Uh, yeah, which was exactly. the whole impetus for this. Yeah. Grief gives a motivational speech and says, all of the land from the western lava flats 
to Bullock Canyon will belong to the Mandalorians. It's got to be a reference to actor Jeremy Bullock, who was yes. the physical actor that depicted Boba Fett. I thought that was a great sort of tribute to him and being a part of the Boba Fett slash Mandalorian legacy and history of Star Wars. That was great. That was really cool. Right. I love that. The armorer requests a one-on-one -on -one with Bo and tells her that since she saw the Mythosaur, she is the one to unite all Mandalorians in a new age. They take a walk outside and Bo removes her helmet under the armorer's orders and the armorer pronounces her the one to lead a united Mandalorian front while everyone else is like, why did she take her helmet off? I thought she just put it back on. Finally, Tiva is out on patrol when he discovers a destroyed Lambda ship. It's confirmed to be Gideon's transport ship, and there's a fragment of Beskar alloy seemingly framing the Mandalorians for breaking Moff Gideon out of jail. You're right. That's a frame job. That's a frame. There's no way any Mandalorian that we have gotten to know in this show three mm -hmm. seasons in is any way involved in that job right there, There's in that extraction. It has to be a frame job. It has to be Moff Gideon playing the long game. I'll maybe even give you that maybe Admiral Thrawn might have something to do with it because he's Whoa. somebody who is, who is an expert at crafting sort of like game plans to be able to, to take down an enemy. Speaking of frame jobs, you're going to want to frame one of these shirts that we're selling over with our merch partners at nerdriot.shop. We have some great new Mandalorian-inspired items in their new The Way collection, including this Foundling shirt and another shirt called the Bounty Hunter with designs inspired by the Beskar Steel of Mandalore. And if you purchase one of these shirts, you can opt to unlock a shout-out on this show, like this one from Pretty R. Thank you for the breakdowns, Eric. Thank you, Tommy, for always making us laugh. New Rockstars is awesome. Screw you, Hector. Just kidding. I'm sure she just didn't know you were going to be on this week, or she would have. She would have shouted you out too. So visit nerdriot.shop now to grab one of these great designs and don't take it off until the finale next month. It's okay, Tommy. I'm used to that on the internet. <laughs> that, that also could have been <laughs> Me too. somebody who does know that I was on the episode. <laughs> Guys, I want to get to the questions now to discuss. This episode for certainly raised several questions, but there are a few that I think uh, rose to the top of this for me. First of all, are the Mandalorians being set up and who the Fett took Moff Gideon? Yeah, I think Hector brought up some uh, really good points with this possibility that it is Thrawn. Just because if you step back and look at the big picture, we know that Thrawn is a villain that they want to set up on this show. And if, you know, they are saying next episode, Bryce Dallas Howard directed it. It's a certain, uh, it's like 44 minutes long. A lot of people are saying that this is going to be a huge, huge episode. And I think, like, bringing in Ahsoka's hunt for Thrawn here, setting up the Ahsoka show later this year, hopefully later this year, I think is the, the overall game plan right now. I do have some questions about, logically, why he set it up this way in particular and what his issue is with the Mandalorians. I mean, if, if it was a setup, like, Carson Tiva bought that hook, line, and sinker. Oh, there's a chunk of Beskar. Well, it must mean it's a Mandalorian job. Mm. Don't you think the Mandalorians wouldn't leave any scrap of Beskar behind? Like, their whole thing is reclaiming every bit of Beskar. They would not leave a chunk of Beskar in a crime scene. They're pretty clean in their in their jobs. Also, if it was Moff Gideon, why would they extract him? Don't you think they would just blow up the entire ship? Or they'd take him and they'd leave his body there? They wouldn't kill some new Republic officers, too. Like... They yeah. they aren't like starting fights that way. They they're kind of hanging out in the shadows. Unless there's another branch of Mandalorians, there's some people at Concord Dawn or something like that. Uh, there's some uh, cousins of Mister Fett who are still hanging out. Uh, but I I just think that this is someone who has an axe to grind. It is whoever attacked Bo-Katan's compound. I think on Kalavala, and I speculated before that that was Thrawn. 
it's uh, the fact like we still have a lot of questions about why Thrawn would be you know so pissed off at the Mandalorians. I think he views the Mandalorians as a threat to whatever he's trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. uh, and he's trying to create a wedge. And he looks exactly. at like, well, what's the most powerful cult out there right now mm-hmm. who I can help chip away at the New Republic? Uh, the Mandalorians, I, yeah. and maybe. And that that could just be like the case. Yeah, I, mm. I think it could also be Eric. Again, such excellent points, such excellent points. But I think it could also be something where Thrawn working with Moff Gideon. Maybe he's been working with Gideon this entire time. Also, is just gunning for this baby Yoda. This Grogu is so significantly important to them for their Palpatine First Order Final Order clone plans that it's just about Thrawn and Gideon manipulating whatever whatever they can manipulate to get back to Din Djarin, to get back to that baby Grogu. And I love what you said where Thrawn just sees the Mandalorians as a threat. Certainly with this show, and especially with this episode, with the tease of the armorer going, you must unite the clans of Mandalore and we must retake Mandalore. It feels like this TV era of Star Wars is, is building up towards a big Mandalorian centric storyline a rise to power a, a, a rise back to their glory mm. but you have to wonder about well what the heck happened to them before the force awakens and i know that the force awakens was made 10 years ago and they didn't know that they're going to make a tv show called the mandalorian but you know what i mean that thing of like can you look at their absence from the sequel trilogy as an indication of where their story might end up can we look at that and go does thrawn and gideon do they ultimately uh, uh, succeed in trying to squash down whatever's happening on Mandalore and keeping them separate and keeping them disparate. That may be the thing. Or Filoni and company might do what they did with the Clone Wars where they're eventually leading up to that movie era of films and then just slowly and sneakily inserting scenes behind the scenes, inserting things in between the scenes of the sequel trilogy that we've already seen. You know what I mean? I could very easily see... A, uh, um, a TV show that flashes forward or a TV show set during The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and then The Rise of Skywalker that continues to follow Din Djarin as he gets older. Baby Grogu as probably he stays around the same age because if he looked like that during Order 66, he's going to look like that during Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. But just like sh- telling us, oh, this is where these characters are during that you know, events of the galaxy. So there's a lot that that this could all lead to but I don't think that it's out of order to think that Thrawn would have some kind of a hand in it because mm. just from now until Force Awakens, in the same way that the original Thrawn appeared in that novel, Heir to the Empire, that took place after Return of the Jedi and really won fans of the Star Wars Expanded Universe canon over, I feel like this is Thrawn's time. Like, they're gonna focus on him and I don't think that they're gonna want to keep the character around necessarily by the time the First Order and The Force Awakens happens, because by then it's Kylo Ren's time. It's Mm. the return of Palpatine's time. But in terms of like who the villainous threat is, that's what this TV era is going to focus on. But what it could mean for the Mandalorians, I don't know. Maybe they're not successful. I don't know, but I'm rooting for them. And the other thing I want to say too, folks, and uh, gentlemen, I want to get your take on this too. Me growing up, being a fan of Star Wars, but always feeling like I was a bit of an outsider. I wasn't as well-versed in the canon as someone like Tommy was. I always felt like the three major factions of this world were the Empire, bad guys, the Jedi, good guys, and the Bounty Hunter slash Mandalorians kind of in the middle, this Mm. gray area. This TV show feels like it's moving that more and more towards the side of good. The Mandalorians Mm. have a code. The Mandalorians have a code. Now, Eric, you brought up, 
why would the New Republic believe that a Mandalorian would leave a piece of Beskar, have anything to do with this Moff Gideon? Why wouldn't they just kill Moff Gideon? Why would they take him, you know, hostage or whatever? I think that the other focus of this show is that the Mandalorians don't have a good reputation. Remember, the entire years that Darth Vader was active, right there being Palpatine's right-hand man, who was Darth Vader's right-hand man? Boba Fett. This guy wearing the Mandalorian armor. Like, this was a bounty hunter feared throughout the galaxy, and maybe that reputation has is still kind of sticking around, and characters like Din Djarin have to kind of combat that and prove to the galaxy at large, hey, we have a code, we're good, we raise babies, we help innocent people, this is who we are. Yeah, I just think that's a big leap uh, to go straight from fearing them as, as successful, efficient bounty hunters to walking into a, a messy, messy uh, assassination job that also kills some New Republic officers and being like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is classic Mandalorian maneuvers. Tommy, you're about to say something. Well, no, I just think like, you know, to, to the broader point in, in, uh, in war and in politics and in, and in, in conflict, optics are everything. And so everyone's constantly framing their opposition as the most evil, bad thing in the world. And I'm not saying the, the empire was certainly evil in star Wars, but, uh, I think with Mandalorians, there's so much unknown about them in the same way that there are, there are, you know, religions and, and countries and nations that are very private in our world. And we don't know a lot about them. So it's so easy for people to manipulate and create stories about them to make us fear things, to make people fear things. So, you know, I think that can certainly translate onto the fictional pages of Star Wars. I, I am wondering what uh, timeline we're dealing with here. It seems like Filoni and Favreau are really focused on the next 30 years. Whereas I kind of see, like, I don't want uh, Thrawn to just be a linking point between the the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. I want him to span beyond all different eras. I kind of like the idea that he was like this Clone Wars figure leading into the the Galactic Empire period, leading into now. I mean, when if they're just trying to repeat the playbook that they had for Clone Wars, right, where they're only setting stories during a specific time period to add context, really the value of Clone Wars, and this might be a controversial statement, the value of Clone Wars wasn't just like the, the era of uh, using Ahsoka time to bridge those two eras it was the fact that we introduced these characters these themes these ideas the clone uh, troopers that could also show up in later eras and ahsoka tano has shown up after return of the jedi uh the fact that we've had cad bane show up during this area like i think that is like what's really exciting so i don't want thrawn to just like i want thrawn to like survive after the events of episode mm. nine oh. Skywalker. you know oh. like i i, I want grogu to come back during that era too yeah so i and i yeah, I know Ahsoka, eventually everyone's just going to get too old. That's true, Eric. Everyone does eventually die. That is a fact of this world and the Star Wars galaxy, as far as I know. Actually, Luke yeah, tells us no one ever really dies. Oh, good point. <laughs> I didn't know actually to you, Hector. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, he says no one's ever really gone, Tommy. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> All right, speaking of nerds, we'll talk about those nerds over at Mint Mobile who are just changing the wireless game. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals in 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? You simp? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. We have many, many, many people on the new Rockstars team who have made the switch to Mint Mobile. And uh, it's an easy switch. They have the eSIM technology. They take the card out. They pop it into your new, your, your existing phone. Not new phone. Unless you want a new phone. Maybe it's time to upgrade. 
Maybe people are making fun of you. You're flipping your phone open. Get a new phone then. But if you like your old phone, you keep it. Mint Mobile lets you keep it, folks. For people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. And that's a pass I'll always catch. Old soft hands back to old. Lining up at tight end. Running down the field. Grabbing those savings from Mint Mobile. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM, as I said before. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your wireless plan for just 15 bills a month. 15 bucks, 15 shells, 15 clams, 15 dollars. Get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash breakroom. That's mintmobile.com slash breakroom. And cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash breakroom. Okay, I've got another question for you boys. My Star Wars boys. My Star Boys. Why did the armorer make Bo take the helmet off? And uh, do we think this is going to be the end of Bo in the series or in the, sh- in the season? she going to go away? Is she going to go get her friends back? I hope not. I mean, I thought the obvious answer was, you don't keep a face as lovely as Katie Sackhoff's under that helmet. That's what yeah, I thought it was. I thought the armor was real smart. And I would love to see the rest of those lovely actors. They're good-looking people. Emily Swallow, yeah. Tate Fletcher. Yeah, do you Take think, those helmets off. Do you think, we're gonna see, do you think all of them? I really thought we were going to see Emily Swallow in this movie. I, I did, very too. very excited. I did, too. too. <sighs> I know. I was like, oh, I wonder what the armorer's hair looks like. I was so excited. <laughs> Gentlemen... I have to believe that we're going to see Bo-Katan again this season and moving forward. Um, You know, Eric, you really got me on this kick of like, what are we going to see in the Star Wars galaxy post the rise of Skywalker? And I've been hearing chatter online that that Star Wars is going to shift and focus on Mandalorians, that they are going to play a much bigger role, that Grogu himself is going to become like the protagonist of Star Wars moving forward after Luke Skywalker, after Rey, that it's going to be something like Grogu. I would love to see Bo-Katan you know, continue to age into some lovely years. But um, I I hope that she's still in the show. And I think that we're going to see her bring back other Mandalorian clans. And I've been saying since the beginning of the season that Bo-Katan is going to be that link and is going to be the beginning of changing this specific Children of the Watch covert into doing away with some of their real strict regulations about having to live life with a helmet on. They're not the Jedi. And I feel like Star Wars since the original movies up to now, has kind of learned the lesson of we're not going to depict the Jedi as perfect. They're obviously flawed. They're heroic individuals, but that kind of entire organization is part of the reason why things went bad during the the, the early years of the Republic. Um, Tommy, what do you think, my man? I'm with you. I think, uh, I think Bo-Katan is the key to all of this, to quote, to paraphrase a famous George Lucas quote about Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I think Bo-Katan is what's going to be the, uh, the connective tissue between these series. Is, and, and they can't. They, I think they have a great actress. So yeah, lots more Bo. I don't think the, this is the end of Bo-Katan at all. I asked the question. It was a trap. You didn't fall for it. And I applaud you. Now, Hector, <laughs> Eric, Hector, either one of you can take this one. This is just my final okay. little fun question I have. What the fuck is Zeb doing here? Uh. Uh, now, I'm not a huge Zeb expert, so I'm going to need someone who's a little more of a Zeb aficionado to tell me about this. Hector, what do you think? Well, what's great is that, uh, like any good Star Wars uh, product, piece of media, TV show, movie, it's just going to make you want to dive into the rest of Star Wars, whether you've already seen it or not. I've already seen people online going, I want to rewatch Rebels. This 
stuff that's happening in The Mandalorian is making me want to rewatch Rebels. And uh, I think that this is just great, smart seed planting for what is going to become the Ahsoka show. And for great characters, Zeb being one of them, a fantastic character. Love that they brought the voice actor back to depict this character. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Eric, Eric, you kind of, you, you get me on this train now of like what other great characters from the Star Wars universe, the yeah. galaxy, that we've seen, not just in like the main nine movies, could we continue to see in the future of this franchise? And I think Dave Filoni and team, Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody that's been producing these shows since 2019 have been really smart to mine the amazing animated show characters. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Star Wars comics and novels as well. I think there's a bunch of characters there that can be pulled. I'm a big fan of the High Republic. I'm getting back into reading that stuff and trying to catch up, and it's so good, and it's so fun. And I know that that's 200 years before whatever, but I'm reading High Republic stuff, and I'm seeing Maz Kanata along with Yoda. Like, Maz Kanata is a great character that we can see in any mm. era of the Star Wars storyline, including right now during the New Republic, which I think would be really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited about the prospect of, like, not just focusing on the movie characters. It's the thing that Star Wars fans have been asking for a very long time. Expand the universe. There's more than 18 characters. It's not as small as we have come to know. But... I guess it is kind of small because out of all the people to bump into in a bar, we're going to bump That's into one right. of the characters from Star Wars Rebels, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It, it, it's kind of like a nice sign because we know, obviously, Ahsoka's alive. Uh, if Zeb's alive, the rest of the crew of the Ghost is alive. Mm. If, if, if It would be one thing if Zeb was in the corner brooding over a drink just with a haunted yeah. thousand yard stare <laughs> in his eyes. <laughs> like, where would happen to my friends? I let him die. They're all he's in good, gone. Our buddy's in good spirits. He's sure. doing all right. So the rest of the uh, the crew of the Ghost is probably doing fine too. I'm pretty sure if we don't see Thrawn and Hera next episode, we're gonna see Chopper rolling around, curb stomping someone in the background because mm. he's a little piece of shit. Chopper's <laughs> not a good guy. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. I, I don't like Chopper. Yeah, Chopper's a little. Uh, he's kind of adorable, but he also is like a murderer, yeah. and we should never let him go from that. Uh, but you know, I'm sure the New Republic will just loop him into the Amnesty program and give him a nice desk job. <laughs> Let him work for I Tim Meadows. I think, tech, unless I'm mistaken, haven't we already technically seen Chopper in the background in live action in Rogue yeah, One? Yeah, Rogue One. Right, right? Spit, yeah, he's Somewhere around, in there. Yeah. I need to go back and, and find that uh, shot, but I love that we've already seen one of these characters from Rebels in live action. Cannot wait to see the rest. It's very yeah. exciting. Yeah, but Chopper, not a great guy, but I love Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there for this episode of Wookie Leaks. And again, the Easter egg breakdown is coming tomorrow. Thank you for your patience there. You can follow me at EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold. Follow Hector at Hector is funny. We'll be back next week to react to episode six. I think it's going to be a big one. And uh, the break room, check it out uh, for the rest of this week. Live every day at 3 p.m. Uh, the Deep Dive also has some fun stuff coming up. Subscribe at Deep Dive NR. Uh, we just recently did our Batman one, our interstellar deep dive is coming out on April 7th, and I got something special planned for this Friday that you're gonna love. Follow new rock stars on all social media, subscribe to WikiLeaks wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for watching, and this, this is, is the way. The way. The way. <laughs>